It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock tonight. As Gene Honda said, the phone line is open, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to hear from you. Game one of the Illinois football season is in the bank. Illinois winning 42-3 on Saturday over Akron. And hit the road this week to take on UConn. That game out in East Hartford, Connecticut. Talk about that. Matt Daniels here. How you doing, Matt? Doing well. Good to see you guys on a Labor Day holiday, but uh, no rest for the weary as uh, football season is officially kicked off. And uh, great performance by the Illini on, on Saturday. It's exactly what you wanted to see uh, in the season opener. And um, But the unfortunate part of today, and we'll talk about it here shortly, is uh, Mike Epstein uh, suffering a season-ending knee injury. Yeah, that uh, it, it sounds all too familiar. It sounds kind of like the Mike Dudek situation uh, of a couple of years ago, but uh, it didn't look good, Bob, when they no. when you go out on a cart. Carts are bad, yeah. generally. You don't don't like carts, and obviously we feel badly for him because like Mikey Dudek, he's had these thing after thing after thing. I think what we learn here, and I say this all the time, knees are not meant for football. So clearly, you know, hopefully he'll be able to get back and play again Levy Smith was very encouraging today, but again, let's see what happens with him down the road. Maybe he will say, you know, I'm not supposed to play. We'll have Stay. some comments from uh, Lovey Smith and Rod Smith on the Epstein injury. Scott Ritchie, I guess, obviously, you never like to see anybody hurt, but it did come at the most uh, productive or at least the most deep position on the roster with the running backs. They got some guys that could step up. Yeah, there's. A handful, in fact, and they, they all got carries against Akron. Um, I mean, led by you know, Reggie Corbin, who also you know was pulled out of Saturday's game with a, a hip pointer. Uh, Lovey Smith said they were hopeful that he would be available uh, this coming Saturday against UConn. But I mean, even if he's not, uh, there's Dre, ba- Dre Brown and Rayvon Bonner was back after missing most of training camp, um, and then a couple redshirt freshmen and Jakari Norwood and Kenyon Sims. And Kenyon Sims is a guy I thought had a a really good training camp because he got more opportunity with Bonner out and with you know at that point you know, Mike Epstein was kind of on a one day on one day off schedule just as he was coming back off of off season foot surgery which you know had cost him the previous two seasons or at least about half of each of his first two seasons in Illinois. It was a good day for football weather wise, not a good day for the crowd. No. I get it. I, I get it. It's a holiday weekend, but it's still pretty disappointing with. 30,600 and some odd tickets sold. Right. Not that many butts in the seats. No, when you look at the, across the conference, most of the places were full. Uh, many of them were full. And some it's a holiday them. weekend there too, right? Right. <laughs> so it should be no excuse there. I wrote, uh, I think, in today's paper, I think if Illinois does what I think they'll do in the next couple of weeks, I think the Nebraska game would be close to full. I think the Michigan game will be full. So if they're 
three and zero going to Nebraska, that'll be a nice crowd. And I think uh, four and one or five and zero going to Michigan. Did I just say that? Yeah, you did, Bob. I did. Timing is everything and everything. everything. So. If they're five and zero going to the Michigan, it would be yeah, it'd be five and zero. That that crowd better be sold out, or there's something wrong with the people here. And I don't think there is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it's kind of a wait-and-see mode, I think, that a lot of fans are, are taking with this Illinois team, and understandably so, given the struggles that the program has uh, dealt with in, in the past. But if Illinois can bottle what they did on Saturday against Akron and, and take it with them to Connecticut this weekend, you have to feel pretty good about them starting 2-0. and and UConn barely beat Wagner last Thursday night, 24-21. They've got a, a graduate transfer at quarterback who previously was at the Division II school, West Florida. So... Not too sure what that's going to do for, for UConn's offense. They didn't have that great of a debut uh, with the Huskies last Thursday. They do have a decent run game, uh, which has given Illinois troubles in the past. But and then Eastern Michigan, the third game of the season, they barely beat Coastal Carolina on Saturday in FCS school. So all things considering, it's about as good a start as you could have for Illinois football uh, after the opener. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Rose Bowl or anything like that, but they they played up to their capabilities on Saturday, and the two other non-conference foes they have left this season definitely did not strike fear uh, based on their performances. Speaking of graduate transfer quarterbacks, Brandon Peters, his debut. Scott Ritchie, your thoughts? He was efficient in the passing game, ran for a touchdown as well. Yeah, I mean, he had four total touchdowns, so yeah. not, a, not a bad debut. He's uh, a mobile point. quarterback now. Yeah. 20-yard touchdown run. Dual threats, they yeah. like to call them. <laughs> um, still think of his dual threatness, he leans a little more towards passer. So Juice Williams and Nathan Chialas don't have to worry about him. Probably won't be challenging for any of the rushing records by QBs. Uh, but, I mean, he showed he can run when the situation calls for it. And he didn't run very often, but I think other than the one sack he took, it was a, a minimal loss. I mean, he... Positive yardage and a pretty good chunk, you know, too. Plus, he was picking out his blockers on 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 that run. He he hesitated a couple times to to wait for the block. I thought I thought it was impressive. Yeah, I think Alex Walczewski, the offensive tackle, said today is he's a I mean a smart smart guy. So yeah. like he he understands kind of what he needs to do to maybe you know, avoid the the big hits that might be coming his way as a quarterback on the move and that had to be a great moment for you know his family i know bobby oh talked to his, his parents last week before he made his first start i'm sure they were just ecstatic with the way he played oh yeah no question and they're going to follow him all year they're going to yukon i talked to i talked to brandon today and uh he said they're going to be there for, th- for sure and some other people he had uh, his former i think he said seventh grade seventh grade coach was here okay. and so a lot of a lot of people were here and they're going to be here a lot and actually, he told me something uh, kind of surprising. He went home Sunday to go, went home, actually, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It's a quick trip, went home, came back for in time to not be in trouble. <laughs> and uh, he's, got a lot of, he's got a lot of freedom. We're doing a Q&A on him mm-hmm. for Saturday. And he's got a lot of good things going on in his life beyond football. So it's kind of cool. Lovey Smith, as he does uh, during game week, met with the media today shortly after noon at uh, the football stadium. Here's some of what he had to say about uh, the opening game win and the Mike Epstein injury as well. Offensive side of the football, you know, we met all of our offensive goals, points, um, different things like that. Defensively, we met most of them, and uh, special teams. So it was that type of game. Um, Had some uh, outstanding play from certain guys. 
uh, players of the game. Uh, Donnie Navarro, um, walk-on wide receiver, was our special teams player of the game. Had a good punt return and was a part of downing the ball inside of the five. Offensive side of the football, of course, uh, Brandon Peters was everything we thought he would be. We wanted him to be throwing the football, running the football, just running our offense in general. It's a good start. Uh, defensive side of the football, uh, Jake Hansen, you know, I thought played outstanding ball. Uh, had a sack, uh, caused a fumble, recovered a fumble, had an interception, uh, did a lot of good things. So those guys that kind of stood out with all three uh, different phases, but so much other good play happened, starting with the offensive line. They played, of course, they played well, and we've, that's been a constant, seemed like, for a period of time. Mike Epstein went down with a uh, season-ending injury, um, which is uh, unfortunate. Uh, Mike, you know, has been through so much, such a good football player. But uh, as was the case with Marquez Beeson, these are guys that will come back as strong as ever, but uh, they won't be a part of the actual uh, Saturdays this year. That's Lovey Smith talking about uh, Mike Epstein's knee injury. He went out to end that ball game the other day and is out for the season. We'll see what uh, the future holds for him. He also uh, mentioned Marquez Beeson, who has not yet undergone his uh, surgery, but will at some point, and uh, he'll have a redshirt season as well. Phone line is open, 356-9397, if you'd like to join us. Rod Smith was kind of hit hard, as most Illini fans were, about uh, the Epstein injury. Here's what uh, he had to say today. Your heart goes out for the kid because you know, he does everything right. He does everything you ask of him. He's as good as a teammate as there is. All I keep thinking about is Mikey Dudek, right? It's the same scenario. Like All this young man does is does everything right. And if anybody deserves to have success, it's Mike it's Mike Epstein, and uh, you know he was—he might have had the best fall camp of any of the backs we had. I was excited to see watching him take off this year, but like I told him down in the locker room, I just saw him a little bit ago, and I talked to his mom and dad as well. I said, "There's a reason for everything. It happens. You're going to come back stronger and better than ever." We don't know what that silver lining is right now, but at the same time, we're going to hold up hope and faith that the good Lord takes care of him, and all of a sudden he comes out and, and does something he's never been able to do before in the, in the future. You say it with a, with, a, with a heavy heart, it's next man up. I, mean, you know, I don't want it to sound cold or callous because I feel bad for Mike. But at the same time, they're still going to kick this football off on Saturday. So we got to make sure we have guys ready to play. And uh, I think Mike would want those guys to, to be able to step up and take his role and, and, and take off and run with it. And we have guys, that, in my opinion, that uh, can, be, can be starters on any, a lot of teams in, in the Big Ten, in my opinion. So I feel good about that room. I've said that all along. Now just still carry a little bit more weight than what they did before. That's offensive coordinator Rod Smith talking earlier today. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Labor Day edition of Monday Night Sports Talk. We're between the remote locations. The last two weeks we were at uh, Scotty's Brewhouse. And a week from tonight we'll be back at the Esquire for about a 30-week run. Yeah, we'll be there in, uh, until the night of the national title game men's basketball whatever day that is in early april, april yeah. 2020 <laughs> be here before you know it we'll take our first time out on monday night sports talk if you'd like to join us we'd love to hear from you what do you think of the uh, Illini win over the weekend we're back with more we'll talk some baseball we'll talk some Illinois basketball volleyball as well on monday night sports talk here on dws
Monday Night Sports Talk rolls on here on News Talk 1400 DWS with Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, Scott Ritchie. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 6 o'clock tonight. Feel free to join us. 356-9397 is the number. Talk to Illinois football, the I go on the road Friday afternoon for that Saturday Saturday game against the Huskies of University of Connecticut in East Hartford, Connecticut. Illinois about a 20-point favorite in the ballgame. And if you would take that music on out, thank you very much. <laughs> I was Appreciate dancing that. really well. I was actually. trying to do that here and I couldn't get it done. <laughs> but uh, Ed's got the control of the mothership, so to speak, in the other room. So we're good to go now. Were you surprised by that uh, point spread early, Bob? Illinois For by Saturday. 20. Oh no, not at all. No, no I I was expecting that. Bob's already booked his trip to Pasadena for those. No, wondering. but I think Illinois is going to easily win these first three games. I've said that over and over. Nothing has changed. Actually, I'm more convinced of that. They're going to win this game by four touchdowns. So I think 20 is low. I'm not ga- a gambler, obviously, because I'd be awful at it. But if I was gambling, I would probably pick Illinois. If, if they do win, there is precedent, though, for a trip to the Rose Bowl. Because Correct. the last time Illinois won a road non-conference game was in 2007 when they went to Syracuse. Bob and I were there. And won that game. And, then and Ed Baum was there, we're too. We at Syracuse, and Nancy Kerner ran away from me, trying well, to ca- track her down. I don't blame her for that. No, nah, I know. <laughs> I was probably mean or something. But uh, that game, I remember, because that was not a game Illinois, would you would have thought, is going to win for sure. But they went up then won really easily. Uh, Juice Williams, I think, was... It was like 41 to 20 or something right, like that. Right. They played really well. Yeah. Ran the ball down the circus throughout. That's when we got first got a taste of what Illinois could, could be. And the fact they won on the road, you knew this means something more than what we saw the last couple of years. You knew. So I think if Illinois does this at UConn, I won't be surprised if it's not... They're not going to the Rose Ball, probably. But it will might mean... They're on they're on the way to a better path than last year. I don't remember you saying back then in 2007 after that game that the Illinois was going to the Rose Bowl. Uh, okay, the joke is <laughs> that ga- that year. This Matt knows this. I pe- I picked Illinois to win every game. I did. I picked the and I was right with nine of the nine of the games. So that was pretty good. I picked the Ohio State game. I picked Illinois to win almost by the exact. He's score. only told me that story like 500 times. I, know, I understand picked, that, but, but not, not everybody. There are newly listeners. So anyway, I certainly picked Illinois to be Syracuse, but I thought they'd win every other game. In most games, they could have or should have won. Uh, Iowa, to me, is that game that year that was basically blown that game. But other, other than that, they were in every game. Well, okay, not the Southern Cal game, but every other game. Well, they got the blowout win over Akron. Everything seemed to go well. Did you see anything, Scott, that, that concerned you a little bit? It's kind of hard to tell against an opponent that's not very good. Well, I mean, I would say the the pass defense was a little concerning. On the first drive, it was for sure. Yeah, and there, there were a few other yeah. Akron. I mean, the Akron quarterback didn't have a terrific game, and you know, the defensive line actually got pressure on him, mm-hmm. which was uh, kind of a key thing. But I mean, there are some soft spots in Illinois' defense, and better teams will take advantage of them because the. The Akron receivers, even if the quarterback wasn't getting them the ball, were open quite a bit. So you'd think maybe a, a Big Ten team will probably fare better against that. So lock that up a little bit, and that'd, that'd be better. 
with Lovey Smith going to the waiver wire, so to speak, on, on the transfers, as many head coaches are doing. But, Matt, that uh, certainly, uh, through one game, has paid off. No, it has. And, uh, I mean, Lovey Smith has, has really taken advantage of, the, of that new rule. And you'd have to think just what this Illinois offense might be like if Luke Ford was eligible this season. But you saw Richie Pettibone start uh, on the offensive line. You saw Trayvon Sidney catch a touchdown pass. And, I mean, Brandon Peters, what his performance was, was pretty spot on. I mean, that that's exactly what you wanted to see out of him. And uh, Josh Imatorbebe played well at, at times, too. And, uh, they've got a number. Milo Efler had a, you know, hit stick hit that I'm sure the Akron receiver is still feeling on this Monday afternoon. But um, it, it was a good performance by those guys, and and I think that just lends some credibility to what Lovey Smith and his staff have done in trying to trying to overhaul this roster. And and they've gone the transfer route in the past, but not as much as they did this past off season. So. Uh, any contributions from those guys are, are great, and uh, I'm sure they'll be expecting even more in, in the weeks up weeks ahead. Speaking of Luke Ford, how about the student section? Oh, so yeah, free Luke Ford. Free yeah, Luke Ford. Ford. <laughs> of course, that, that uh, started, card stunts started long ago, uh, the whole idea of that. And I actually I heard from his dad this weekend, actually. He just sent me a nice message about how good he liked our coverage. So I thought that was great. Good. And uh, Luke's uh, grandpa is still uh, – ill nursing some illness mm-hmm. and obviously the uh, everybody should be thinking about them and i uh actually tim couldn't uh, luke's dad couldn't come because he wanted to make sure he was there with uh sure th- with luke's grandpa so i thought that was great three five six nine three nine seven is our number on the labor day edition of monday night sports talk talking illinois football at the moment we'll do that for another uh, few minutes with yukon coming up on saturday the Illini offense looking at, looking good. The defense with 12 tackles for loss and half a dozen sacks. The defense, I looked this up, 13th nationally in against yardage-wise. 13th, that's pretty good given they were 180, 120 last year. So that's better. That's uh, I can't do the math. But a lot better. Um, One, uh, 115 A jump better. of 115. 115 better. They're not going to stay there, but they're going to stay there the next two weeks because they're going to trounce this to uh, UConn. They're going to trounce Eastern Michigan, and then we'll see. In Nebraska's offense, honestly, Saturday was dreadful. Uh, bad enough that the coach postgame says, we stunk. And that's not that's pretty rare. So the, the, luckily, they got saved by their defense, but their offense is not overwhelming. So I think a lot of two or four games could be in great shape defensively. Well, well one th- another, thing, another thing that I think was encouraging from, from Saturday and uh, during my four seasons on the beat, you didn't always see this uh, from the Illini during, in terms of their play, but also just their – their demeanor on the field and their you know comments after the game and stuff that this group just based on Saturday again it's a very small sample size it's just one game but they looked very confident and they played that way and they spoke that way after the game and that little bit of swagger that's not too that's not you know outright cockiness or anything that was that was lacking quite frankly in a lot of Illinois teams in the past where they almost looked timid or scared or you know to show emotion and to make big plays and that wasn't the case at all on Saturday they they looked confident and they looked like they played loose and free and, and that was very much evident throughout the game and then also uh, they just have that kind of I don't know if that's their identity right now but they just seem a lot more confident as a football program they are sick of losing clearly sick of losing so I think when they have a nice moment like that Saturday they're going to celebrate 
and they're going to not overdo it. They're not going to think they've got the next game mm-hmm. one wrapped up, but they're going to work hard to do that again and again and again. Now, again, they're not like the 2017. That team was special talent-wise. You had Juice Williams. You mm-hmm. had Richard Mendenhall. You had all these guys. Really spend all these guys. The stars of the stars of our show last week, Jay Lane and Britt Miller. They right those guys. So yeah, you had a, Martin O'Donnell. Don't mm-hmm. forget him. Yep. So you had a lot of great players. A lot of guys that went on and played in the NFL. So I think this is not that team. But I certainly think they're better than, than last year. I think they're better than the year before, the year before that. So maybe the best team since Bill Kibitz one year. Yeah, or that the 2014 team. Teams. Or 16 when they won six. 2014. 14, six. Yeah. Get all mixed up. <laughs> Did the um, AP poll come out today? Not yet. Not yet? Comes I, out tomorrow. In fact, it's due tomorrow morning. Okay. Have you got yours in yet? I, no, no. I, I could, but I haven't done it. I will see what happens with the Notre Dame tonight. Oh, sure. Yeah. Did but, anything happen over the weekend that surprised you? Well, I like I really like Oregon, and they they lost a tough game to Auburn late in the game. The Auburn drove down the field through a touchdown pass when they should have just set up for something shorter. But they uh, they won that game. That was impressive. So Oregon's go going way down in my poll. Auburn's zooming up, probably top ten somewhere, maybe top five. But otherwise, not a whole lot. There weren't a lot of upsets. A lot of blowout wins like Illinois went. So. Not, not, well, I, I guess Wisconsin was a bit of a surprise because I thought South Florida, we've seen that last mm-hmm, two, two years, years, that they can play with Wisconsin. Uh, no, they can't. And Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, that game was Taylor's. at South Florida. Too. Are you right. regretting not having the Badgers number one now, Bob? No. <laughs> but I, And I'm glad I have Guy Clemson number one. But everybody, all the teams, Michigan and Ohio State, their fans were mad because they didn't think they won by enough. That's kind of odd, but I think there's something to do that. So I, I think that teams that we think are great, like Clemson's great, mm-hmm. Alabama's great. But beyond that, I'm not sure who's great. Oklahoma, they gave, uh, what, 31 points last night to not Houston. very good Houston team. Jalen Hurts looked really He's good. He's awesome. Him. He's going to win Heisman again, but for the first time. But they are there are teams that we think are He's super. going to win again for the first time. Well. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be the third, the third straight transfer quarterback for Oklahoma to possibly win the. I loved what he said after the game. He was mad. Mm -hmm. He was mad with Holly Rowe, who's such a nice person, was asking those all these softball questions. He was just angry. She finally said, "Please smile." It's like, yeah, please smile. It's Holly Rowe, but she's nice. He probably got that from his former coach at Alabama and Nick Saban. Just be bitter all the time. Yeah, after angry the first game and their post game interviews on the field, just lash out but again i think ever they think there's a lot of great teams i'm not sure there's other than clemson and alabama i'm not sure there's anybody at that at that level what about you scott over the weekend anything that uh, jumped out at you uh outside of uh, the illinois game well i was really kind of leaning hard on oregon to win that game since i picked them but uh justin herbert was down his top four receivers and still made a game of it uh, the ducks still pretty good um boise state yeah. knocking off florida state was uh, I picked that one, uh, but uh, just get that out there. But uh, Florida State continue. It's like they're in a hole, and I don't know that the Seminoles are going to be climbing out of it anytime soon. I mean, that's a you. I mean, it's a power program, but they should be great. Not anymore. They should be great. They hired the wrong coach. No offense, Tolay Taggart. Yeah, no I'm sure he'll call in. Soon, I don't Bob think he will, but if he does, give you a piece to, of his mind. I'll argue with him. He's never really done anything, <laughs> so I think that was a bad hire. It's hard for them because Jim Jimbo Fisher has left and gone to A and M, where they're pretty good and going to be good. 
So I think if you're a Florida State fan, you're going to be a little disappointed by where you are. So the, Scott's right. That was kind of a surprise. Not to him because he picked it right. If Florida State's in a hole, what's Tennessee in? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure a there's valley. a word to, des- <laughs> to describe how bad that is. I mean, I don't know. I don't can't remember the the figure, but I mean they paid Georgia State nine hundred fifty thousand dollars, some real money to come in and beat them. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, uh, Panthers. That gotta have a cool. lot of a lot of good feelings on Rocky Top heading into week two. I think. Yeah, that was the biggest. I'd say that was the biggest upset nationally. Oh, yeah. in uh, in week one, and and just looking at the Big Ten, you know, it was impressive. Just the the lopsided scores that Maryland put on Howard, you know, 79 nothing in Mike Loxley's debut, the former Illinois offensive coordinator, now in charge of the Terrapins. And then Penn State, I know they're rivals with Maryland, so I guess they felt they had to match them offensively, so they put 79 on uh, mean. on Idaho, led by former Illinois offensive coordinator Paul Petrino, whose son scored the only touchdown yep. for the Vandals. But, Mason uh, lived here. Yeah. For a while, yeah. yeah. And then there's two other Champaign natives on Idaho's roster, and uh, DJ Lee and Bryson Lee, former right. St. Thomas Moore Very quarterbacks. Cool. But... That was not a happy trip to Happy uh, Happy Happy Valley. The, the name escaped me there for a <laughs> second. Be happy, but, um, but no, it was the, the, just those lopsided scores in the Big Ten really caught my eye. Maryland, we're going to find out a lot about about them this week. I think they go to, go to Syracuse or the, they come there. I can't remember, but they're playing the Orange, which are a pretty good team. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and there was also uh, Missouri playing at oh, Wyoming my. for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, but also losing to Wyoming. They can't emulate the, the 2012 Ohio State football team now and go 12-0 and because they're not, they're not going to a bowl game yeah, uh, this but. season. But now they, now they can't go unbeaten. I mean, and it ended up being a one-touchdown game, but the first three quarters was all Wyoming. Syracuse goes to Maryland. Correct. And is so. a – get this. They're in the top 25. Right. Going on the road, okay, I get that. They're a one-point favorite. Crazy. A lot of respect for Mike Loxley. So I guess, cool. but I don't know. And they just scored 70, so maybe that's a – Syracuse did not, did not look great in the opener against Liberty. As Ron Zook might say, it's hard to score 70 on air. Correct. He may have said that over the weekend. I don't know. Wyoming, have anybody ever been there other than me for a game? Probably not. Nobody Andy, in this my room. friend Andy Dixon has been there. Right, went to school there. <laughs> but nobody's been there. It's like the bars, okay? No offense to the bars, but it's a crazy place to go to the game. I can I can imagine Missouri going there, guys getting out in the field and go, why are we here? Let's go home. Let's not play. And they didn't. So <laughs> I can't believe they lost that game. Phone number is 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we'll keep talking football if you'd like, or we'll talk a little basketball and some volleyball and some baseball as well. So Scott Ritchie, basketball beat writer as well as football and volleyball and everything else you do around here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the little bit of the shakeup on Brad Underwood's staff that was announced last week. What uh, what are your feelings about that, and what have you learned about it? Well, pretty surprised yeah. um, that you know, Jamal Walker has a new position, not as a you know assistant coach essentially, um, as assistant to the head coach slash defensive coordinator, which didn't know basketball teams had necessarily, but Illinois has one now. Um, Might be the first ever defensive coordinator for Illinois basketball, at least position title-wise. Yeah. Um, so Stephen Gentry coming in as uh, assistant coach, and he's worked with Brad Underwood before, knows the system, known as a really good X's and O's guy, which Illinois doesn't hurt to have that. But um, 
I know Illinois phrased it as you know an opportunity for Jamal Walker, the next step you know, in his pursuit of becoming head coach, but I don't see how you can view it as anything but a demotion because he's no longer going to be coaching on the bench as an assistant and he cannot recruit. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's something else beyond that where Jamal wanted maybe – you know th- this change, but uh, that it came in August. Yeah, timing's is, a little unusual. It's just a little strange. Um, so I guess we'll see what it means you know, for the Illinois team this season. But you know, Stephen Gentry, you know, has a a new roster and you know a new coaching staff other than Brad Underwood, really, to uh, kind of get to know on the fly. Yeah, I was puzzled by the the timing of it. Just you don't really see staff changes in, in late August too and the fact that Jamal Walker's been here the longest of anyone uh, connected to the Illinois basketball program brought here to, to Champaign uh, when John Gross is the coach and was there for five seasons under Gross and then you know led Illinois to the NIT quarterfinals in 2017 stepped in as interim coach and uh, you know that transition period which can always be interesting to, to see unfold and then Underwood decided to keep him on staff and um, what's gonna be really interesting too is the fact that Jamal Walker in 2013 when Illinois was in the NCAA tournament the last time when they played Miami got in trouble for his actions after the game, the close loss to Miami that there was an officiating controversy at the end and led to a rule change eventually, but he's supposed to be suspended for the first two games of whatever next NCAA tournament he coaches in, but if Illinois makes the NCAA tournament this year, what happens to him because he's not going to be on the bench as far as I know. Well, I mean, he can be on, like, Jeff Alexander he's on the bench. Assistant to the head coach True. is on the bench. Okay. So, I guess Jamal will be, I assume. So, I don't know if, like, the and, same and the suspension of, applies well, to a uh, not, too, like, a with, active assistant. With Jeff so Alexander, it's not like Jeff Alexander sits the entire game and, you know, has his has his hands in his lap and calmly, you know, watches the game and claps like a golf club. Like, he's up yelling at times and effectively what coaching so it's just going to be very curious to see the dynamic play out especially the start of the season in in early november any recruiting news is kind of quiet yeah a little bit um just quiet in general because the team had last week off and it'll probably this week get this one off as well um they're still in the gym by themselves yeah basically basically live there anyway but uh Adam Miller visited Arizona and then Arizona State last week. Um, Arizona State probably being the stiffest challenger at the moment for Illinois to to get the Morgan Park guard. But he's got a visit set um, here pretty shortly at Illinois, and it's the only other one he has scheduled at the moment. He's got two more he could take, but maybe Illinois can uh, close that recruitment, which wonder if I've been a hit or miss uh, – thing you know closing these official visits but uh be a big one yeah i wonder if i was gonna say hi to him at all and we'll be the host here. yeah <laughs> maybe former teammates so yeah. we'll see i mean i think they have io host a lot of their recruits um probably send georgie with them too although maybe smaller doses of georgie <laughs> to start with to be like just ease them into to that once they see the recruit pull out his phone and start to look at it then they then they uh put georgie on him and liven up everything yeah it's also dancing maybe yeah georgie would show him a good time i'm sure 538 monday night sports talk we'll take a time out you're welcome to join us if you like 356-9397 we're back with more after this 
Monday Night Sports Talk rolls on. We're with you until 6 o'clock. It is 541 with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen. I'm Steve Kelly. Love to have you join us, 356-9397. If you're interested in football tickets for the Eastern Michigan game, not this weekend but next, they got a fight sale going on at FightingIlini.com. Horseshoe tickets for $10 apiece until midnight tonight. So check that out if you're looking for a good, inexpensive seat in the horseshoe for the Eastern Michigan Ball Club, which comes in a week from Saturday. Illinois on the road this week playing at UConn. Illinois volleyball team up to number five in the national rankings after posting two exciting season opening victories, one on the road, one at home. Against the same team, Scott Ritchie, <laughs> which is a little bit of an unusual start. Tennessee was the opponent. Yeah, um, well, just in regard to playing Tennessee twice in less than 48 hours. Yeah. Um, it's something I will have to do at the end of the year. I believe they've got, they finished the season with back-to-back matches against Northwestern. So they're a little experienced doing that. But also, I mean, win or lose playing Tennessee twice was going to be a, a good boost to Illinois' RPI come the end of the year because uh, volunteers should be I mean, their start of the season in the top 20 should maybe even challenge for an SEC title they're going to be good uh, so beating them twice is certainly even better um, and found a way to do it in both uh, on Friday fell behind first after two sets then stormed back to, to win it in five and then Sunday had the 2-0 lead and it disappeared and then they they just wanted you to hang out at Huff Hall a little bit more, Scott. Yeah, it was a nice, humid afternoon <laughs> inside Huff, which you can only do with a, a building that old, I think. But yeah, managed to really kind of flip the match on its head in the fifth set, jumped out to an early lead, and it played really well. And uh, fifth sets have kind of become a thing for this team that they have fared really well in them. Uh, the only loss in the last two seasons. Uh, was the national semifinal match against Nebraska in five. But uh, other than that, it was all wins. And even dating back to the end of the 2017 season, they won three in a row. So good start, obviously. Um, but uh, things don't get any easier. For Illinois Volleyball have the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge this weekend in Iowa City where they'll play uh, Washington and Colorado. And then it's Travel's good, you know, for the non-conference schedule because after that is a trip to ISU where they'll play uh, three teams that made the NCAA tournament and the Redbirds, uh, Central Florida, and Marquette is also ranked. And Sweet then, 16 opponent last year in Marquette. Yeah, so there's probably some hard feelings on the on Marquette's side for that. And then they end the non-conference play in Indy, so really sticking close to home, but with uh, two matches there, we'll play Pepperdine and Loyola Marymount, uh, which Marymount also was an NCAA tournament team, so good slate for the Illini. Then they're going to come back home, play Nebraska, Big Ten opener Friday night. Huff will be rocking. Should be. I mean, that was the national semifinal match was against the Huskers, so get get another crack at them at home. I don't think Chris Thomas' team will be search hard for any motivation for that one. No, it'll probably be pretty easy. Tim Dippman was on the call for both those matches and will be all season long, uh, taking the place of uh, Dave Lone. Nice way to get started, eh? Five-setter at uh, <laughs> Tennessee and then one here in uh, Champaign yesterday. Yeah, I think the blood pressure went up a few points, uh, but certainly two exciting matches to start things out. And what matters is the line I came out 2-0. and Did you see that coming when they, when they went down to uh, 
sets to none? Honestly, I was thinking in the back of my mind, are the Illini really going to get swept right out of the gate? Because I, I knew they were more talented to that. They're just their passing uh, started out uh, real shaky, and maybe that was first game jitters or maybe something else was going on. But they really turned it around uh, in set uh, four in particular. I think the final on that set was 25-17, to 17, and they got in a rotation with Caroline Welsh serving where they rattled off five or six points in a row, and that uh, really changed the tide. It turned the tide. And then I thought uh, in the Friday night match and in the Sunday match, uh, the newcomers really stepped up. Kennedy Collins had a great match on Sunday. Kyla Swanson uh, came into the match about midway through on Friday night and really provided a spark. So, you know, the Illini, as I think you guys may have mentioned, are a little banged up right now. They've got a few players out with some minor injuries, but once they get those three or four back, uh, they're going to have some real depth and real talent on this team that, you know, if they can click and they can get going on all cylinders, I know the season is young, but I really think there's the talent level on this team for them to make another postseason run. And they just wanted to make sure your first weekend as play-by-play -play announcer was a memorable one with two five-setters, right, Tim? Yeah. You and, you and Chris Thomas worked that out beforehand? Oh, absolutely. Everything else about the road trip went fine. It was just <laughs> sitting on press row in Knoxville thinking, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? And, and what was that environment like on Friday night? Because they played at the, the basketball arena, the Thompson Bowling Arena, which is one of the bigger – college basketball arenas in the country yeah it was really cool they have uh all of the national championship banners up in the rafters that pat summit won and uh they had about 3500 there which i think they set a record for volleyball attendance um it was it was a really great atmosphere um it's it's very different from from huff obviously huff is a, a small venue where mm -hmm. everyone's kind of packed in tight and uh, whether you like it or not, it's hot and steamy. Um, and Thompson Bowling Arena is—you're exactly right, Matt. It was more of a of a basketball environment, mm -hmm. but um, it was loud. It was fun. And, and again, at the end of the day, the Illini came out with a win. Is Rocky, Rocky Top still in your head? Because that, <laughs> they played—I was there for women's basketball one time. They played a thousand times. You just hear it over and over and over again. I don't. I don't know if I heard it one time. He was so dialed yeah. into the broadcast. Really, that good job then. Yeah. <laughs> So focused Excellent. on his, his task at hand. Well, Scott Ritchie, cool moment, I'm sure, on Sunday at Huff was the unveiling of the 2018 Final Four banner. Yeah, it was number four uh, in terms of you know, national semifinal banners dropping uh, at Huff. And uh, it was a quick moment, though, just they did it you know, after the national anthem and then you know, immediately went to work against Tennessee and you know, got that 2-0 lead and looked good. And then things kind of... It fell apart a little bit, but you know, like Tim said, uh, found a way to win uh, again you know, for the second match in a row. And I think uh, Chris Thomas said after the match was, it was probably the last. I mean, they wanted to celebrate the Final Four. It's a big, uh, you know, big thing that they did, big accomplishment. But probably time to to move on and, and focus on the season. And not surprising from him, who you know, he brought that very much one day at a time mindset to the team and. The fact that the players bought in, you know, I think it was a big part of getting to the Final Four, and this team, uh, this current team, is no different. Players and coaches, to an extent, get nervous before the first match of the season or the <laughs> first match of their career. How about you? How were you feeling? The big thing for me was following the action when the ball was on the Tennessee side of the net. I know our girls like the back of our hand. Tennessee, I obviously don't know as well. Um, and so what you do, and I'll give credit to uh, former coach Don Harden. He has helped me out a lot, and he gave me this this trick is, you know, look at the box scores and see who are their five or six 
people who are denning the stat sheet, and those are the ones you have to memorize. Memorize their numbers, memorize what their bodies look like. What I mean, this is going to sound weird. Memorize, you know, who's a blonde, who's a brunette, so you can say, okay, when the brunette's hitting on the right pin, I know it's probably going to be Grubbs, their their big hitter. Uh, you know, when when the blonde is setting, I know it's one setter versus another setter. I know that sounds weird coming out of my mouth, but it's just a little trick that you use because, as you guys know, volleyball moves so fast. Um, there's no way you can call every contact. You just have to call as many as you can and then at the end let people know how the rally ended. Well, have fun in Iowa City this weekend, too. Yeah, good job. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I'm actually here doing tonight, prepping for that road trip. No rest for the wicked. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, Washington mm -hmm. is a top 25 team in Colorado. I didn't see today's poll. I know they were receiving votes in the last poll. So it's going to be tough competition. Thankfully, we, we go to Iowa, but we don't have to face Iowa. So I guess that's a, a compromise. Well, one thing you've learned, you know how to pace yourself through a three-hour match or a five-step <laughs> match, right? You know they all could go that way. Yeah, have the water bottle full and have the cough <laughs> drops ready. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Good no, job. Sure. Thanks, Tim. Tim Dittman with us, the uh, radio play-by-play -play voice of Illinois volleyball. And as we mentioned, Illinois up to number five in the country now. 5.50 is the time. Let's talk some baseball, Major League Baseball. The Cardinals win again today to go 17 games over 500 at 77 and 60. They beat San Francisco Three to one, they've won f four of five games played in about fifty hours yeah. or something over the weekend, and the Cubs won this afternoon, scoring five runs in the seventh inning to beat Seattle five to one. So the Cubs remain three games back, but it's uh, getting interesting. Yeah, twenty-five games to go for uh, for the Cardinals, and they got a three-game lead here on on Labor Day, and um, but the real crux of the season is going to come down to the final ten games for both the Cardinals and the Cubs because they play each other seven times. So. Unless you're the Cardinals or Cubs and, and you have a seven-game lead at that point, you shouldn't feel too comfortable. And uh, The Cardinals' run after the All-Star break is, I would say, even more impressive than what they did last year. Uh, you know, Last year they were sitting, I think, at 44 and 44 at one point, and then they fired Mike Matheny, and then they went on that run to kind of get back in, in the playoff picture there. But uh, the pitching for Mike Schilt's team uh, has been on point. Adam Wainwright had another good start today at home, which is where he thrives at usually. And... The offense is just doing enough. Uh, Colton Wong's really come on. Harrison Bader seemed to kind of refound some things after being at Memphis for a, a couple weeks. And, you know, you have to feel pretty confident about the Cardinals' uh, chances to take home the NL Central title. If not that, then sneak into the playoffs with a wild card spot. I've, obviously, if you're a Cardinals fan or a Cubs fan, you'd want to see them win the division titles. So you don't have to, you know, leave it all in a, a one game playoff like the wild card format. But. Uh, it's going to be make for an interesting September if you're a Cardinals or Cubs fan. And uh, Cubs finally put together some offense today after struggling mightily to to do so. And uh, you know they can take advantage of playing a really bad Mariners team possibly, and maybe make up some ground. But it makes for some interesting baseball this time of year because every game matters right now. And uh, always checking the standings once uh, you know the Cardinals or, or Cubs game's over to see where they're at. Yeah, they were shut out in back-to-back -back games by Milwaukee. And uh, a lot of Cub fans wondering where the offense went, and Cardinal fans felt the same way that not that long ago when their offense didn't uh, step up. But uh, it'll be fun down the stretch. That's why they play 162 games. Yeah, I guess so many ebbs and flows Still throughout the games. season. But uh, you know the Cubs. I know Joe Madden's taking a lot of heat right now, a lot of criticism. Not sure if he'll be back. I'm of the, you know mindset that he can manage the Cubs as long as he wants to he won a World Series there something that hadn't been done in 108 years and um, just because 
they're not they haven't won the division yet or comfortably ahead in the NL Central. They're still in a good shot to make the playoffs as a wild card team if they don't win the NL Central and then anything can happen once they get in the postseason and you know, Mike Schilt seems to push the right buttons, do something right in the months of July, August and we'll see about September because last year the Cardinals really kind of faded down the stretch and they may still do so, but they're getting key contributions from guys at the right times and they had two straight walk-off wins this weekend and one again today and, and that's not easy after they had to play two double headers on Saturday and Sunday. You rarely see that ever, uh, especially in back-to-back days and uh, it was nice to see Matt Carpenter come through on Saturday night in the, the ninth inning with a big hit to, to win the game there and Harrison Bader uh, Monday afternoon. And then, uh, you know, they got up on the Giants early today and just kind of took it from there. What do you got to say about your Braves, Bob? I'm good. <laughs> it's about they, as simple as that. I'm good. Did you watch any Braves baseball this weekend or were you dialed into, a bit. dialed into college football? Uh, both. But I, I'm, I'm good. We'll see. Go Cardinals. You talk about those games, seven or eight games, whatever it is, with the Cubs and the Cardinals uh, against each other down the stretch. That's a point of the season where I have a hard time watching. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that I've got football to focus mm-hmm. on, especially on Saturday afternoon, because I have a hard time, as a Cardinal fan, watching those games. No matter how good the Cardinals are or how bad the Cubs are or whatever, when those two teams play, and especially if there's something on the line, do what, to watch. Do what I do. I found the secret to happiness. I tape the game. I watch them if they win. If they don't win, I don't watch them. It's simple. It's made my life awesome. It really, really <laughs> says, it's made my life and great. Problem is when they lose a bunch of games in a row, it's like, oh, that's not fun. But it's okay. You don't, I don't waste three hours. I watch the game in about that's an hour. It's gonna be, it, could, that. it could be very interesting here in about a month or so because if the way things shape up the way they are, it's looking like the Cardinals and Braves are going to meet in, That'd the, be N- fine. in the NLDS. I'm all for that. All That'd right. be good. Go I Cardinals. remember one playoff game between the Braves and the Cardinals. And wild card playoff wild game. Card we probably game. shouldn't talk about that because the official <laughs> umpire is really messed <laughs> that up. That was you the, mean uh, – Infield fly rule yes. doesn't extend halfway Probably to the not. wall. Right. <laughs> I think I believe that was Chipper Jones' last we game. Were, we were on a road trip somewhere for football, we were. watching that. And I don't know if it was with Madison or where it was, but I remember watching that in, in the hotel lobby. Lauren always let me know how the Cardinals were doing when they played the Braves, yeah, or when the Braves were losing to the Yankees or whatever. He always made me feel horrible. I don't care anymore. I watch the game when they win. They lose, I don't watch. My favorite Lauren Tate story concerning the Cardinals in the playoffs is him walking the terminals at Midway Airport in Chicago trying to find MLB Network so he could watch the nice. Cardinals <laughs> Pirates uh, six years ago and just being aghast that none of the TVs were tuned on to the MLB Network. So he watched it on his – he, f- he some, followed it on his phone. I've got some favorite Lauren Tate stories. <laughs> we're almost out of time, I'm Steve. I'm going to be able to share with you on <laughs> the air. <laughs> some, some road trip uh, adventure, so to speak. How, how about Justin Verlander? Awesome. That was awesome. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, he denied a reporter from the Detroit Free Press access to the press cl- uh, the really? locker room last week. So okay, we well, shouldn't do that. Good for him to throw his third no hitter, but banning boo to him. Yeah, I don't like that. Long. Be a grown up. I, and yeah, be a grown up. And, people. Yeah, exactly. Should coming up in just a few minutes. Here we've got uh, more sports activity for you at six o'clock. The Prep Sports Football Confidential comes your way. The Lovey Smith Show at seven. So we're going to wrap things up and uh, clear the studio for the uh, next batch of guys to come in and get you up to date on uh, high school football in the area. Busy weekend last weekend. Another one coming up. Matt, Bob, Scott, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week 
at the Esquire we'll here there. on uh, WDWS Champaign-Urbana.